I love it. We need friends, but we really need the, the right kind of friends, right? I mean, the, the kind of friends that can be a, what I'm going to call today an inner circle friend, the kind of friends that, that move us towards our God-given purpose. It's, these are hard kind of friends to find. It's easy to find acquaintances, but it's rare to find that kind of sense of a genuine and, and true friend. Because why? It takes effort, right, on our part to establish these kind of relationships. It takes effort to create enough margin and time and space for these kind of people to be in our lives. I, I experienced this a little bit here just recently. Uh, the world of social media and uh, during this pandemic, it seems like people are spending more time on there and you've probably experienced the same thing. And so my number of friend requests has skyrocketed over this pandemic period of time, probably similar to yours. And I didn't realize in the world of Facebook that you are only allowed to have 5,000 friends. And so during this pandemic, all of a sudden I'm reaching these numbers and I'm trying to figure out what to go with it and how this is happening. In fact, last week I had, an, I had a friend request from somebody who said we had 157 common friends. So I went back to look at my common friends. I knew none of the common friends that were there. And all of a sudden it began to realize me this little simple truth. My life is getting filled up with acquaintances but not necessarily with true inner city friends that are there. And so I have to do something about this. The thing that's really hard for a green to do is, so as a green, I want everybody to like me and everybody to be happy, but I realize this, I've got to begin to create some space in this area. I've had to begin to unfriend some people, which was hard to do. And so as a point of accountability, uh, so here's where I'm at right now. You can hold me accountable. To, I'm, at now, I'm down to 4,920 friends. I've made pretty good progress. And uh, here, I say this jokingly, but here's the aha moment. That if I don't intentionally and, and meticulously figure out how to create margin in my life for inner circle relationships, my life will naturally fill up with neutral acquaintances. It just happens. And so in my world, so in my little world of Facebook kind of deal, I'm just defriending to try to get my number down. Why? Because I'm not and interested in doing life with somebody across country who I don't know, who knows 157 people that I don't know. I'm interested in doing life with you, my friends there, because I want to see your kids' first day of school pictures. And I've been so curious on what you ate on Friday night. I can't wait to see that. And my favorite is, I can't wait to see your feet on vacation. And, uh, and I say all these because it was that aha moment. That if I'm not intentional about the relationships of my life, it will naturally fill up with just neutral folks. And I want to have my life surrounded by people who will push me, who will motivate me, who will challenge me more towards my purpose. And the same is true with you. And I think that's one of the great upsides. It's one of the great advantages right now of the time we live in during this pandemic. Listen, you have a rare opportunity to hit reset on your life like never before. In terms of our relationship, your social calendar has been blown up and destroyed and there's nothing happening and all of a sudden you've got a chance to reset this. The beauty is right now is that you are building your new normal for 2021. I mean, when this thing is all passed, the decisions you're making today are, are doing that. You're resetting your life in such a way. And you're either going to reset your life to something different pre-pandemic or you're going to go back to the same thing it was just before this all started. It's this opportunity we have to hit that kind of reset. And one of the ways I think to hit reset on our lives is to really determine who is in that inner circle. Who are the people that we're really doing life with at a depth that's there? Because it will change and affect so many things. And so I think, again, as we talk about this area of relationship, let me just remind you, obviously we need to have friends at all different kinds of levels. 
If you're a follower of Christ, then you need to have Christian friends that are in your life. You need to have friends with people who are far from church and have no interest in that. You need to have friends with just acquaintances, and you need to have friends that you do similar things together. We need to have all different kinds of levels. But again, today, I want to encourage us, how intentional are you being about that inner circle of people that you invite into your life? Because if we just default it, here's how we do. Our inner circle consists simply of this. People who have, it's time served, right? Time served. Uh, These are just people I grew up with, right? This is folks I just went to college with. If we've served time together, then that's my inner circle, and that's my friends, and I have those the same as you. I've got friends from elementary school that we still keep contact with on that. But that's not the people that, if we're gonna move us towards our purpose, that need to be within that inner circle. And my fear for you is that some of you are stuck on your 5,000 friends, and you have no room, no space, and no margin in your life to invite in or to experience folks who will be in your life that would push you to a greater purpose that you're there. And so today I want to do a couple things. I want to help you identify and show you what that kind of inner circle friend looks like, and I even want to give you some suggestions on where you can find those kind of friends. But the end of it today, when you walk away, listen, it's going to be up to you, Right? It's going to be up to you to determine, am I going to create some margin and space for those kind of people to step into my life? So let's talk a little bit about what those kind of inner circle friends look like. Again, if you're a follower of Christ, then your faith is important. Then I want to encourage you, people in that inner circle, their faith is equally important to you. If they're not being led by God, I don't want them to lead me in my life and influence my life. So that inner circle faith becomes a really important thing. It becomes important because I want people in that inner circle who are living their life being driven by their faith and not simply their feelings. And in this day and age and in this moment in time when our emotions and the feelings are all over the board, listen, I need folks who are grounded by their faith, that their faith drives their feelings versus the opposite. Because I know for me, when my faith is is unchecked and when it goes ungrounded, my faith leads me far from my purpose leads me in all different kinds of, my feelings lead me in all kinds of different directions. So let's take a look at that. And today to do that, I want to take a look at the greatest inner circle friend of all time. And because we are in church, you know the answer is Jesus. Very good. Give yourself a hand. Uh, We're going to look at Jesus because it is so true. But I want to look at an amazing relationship between Jesus and Peter. And Peter had the, boy, the honor and the unique perspective to have one of the closest people in his life be Jesus that was there. And we're going to see this that's there. Many of us have amazing, great friends, but they're no Jesus. So Peter kind of has this on this. So here's what we're going to do. So in order to kind of give you a picture of friendships and relationships through times and seasons, I want to remind you this, that, that friendships are an awful lot like a roller coaster. How many, how many are roller coaster fans? Love the coasters? Love the rides? Oh, this is the hour that you got them all here, all right? Uh, we're blessed yeah, to live close to the number one rated roller coaster in the entire world, and it's just north of us up there at Cedar Point. The Steel Vengeance has been rated the number one coaster in the world. Anybody ridden the Steel Vengeance, Cedar Point? Oh, so you know what I'm speaking about. For those of you who have never ridden the Steel Ventures, pack up your harness, take a little ride. Let me give you the Vengeance.
right, I'm nauseous already. So there it is, the steel vengeance. Now listen, just like in every great roller coaster, we're going to see today that Jesus models for us. There's four stages that are true in every inner circle relationship. So uh, let's buckle up, and uh, today I want to take you on another ride. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 4. If you've got your phones, you can fire up to LexCity.info. All of the sermon notes and everything are on there. And if you're watching at home this morning, uh, we're sure glad to have you joining us uh, as we go. And I want to say a special welcome back to all of our college students that are back this hour and last hour. Welcome back. Glad to have you with us this morning. Clap for him now. This is going to be a long semester. All right. So let me give you four great stages for every inner circle relationship. Number one is this, that an inner circle friendship begins with a commitment. And we're going to see this modeled in the life of Jesus in his relationship with Peter. It all begins with a commitment. Now, when I was younger, we lived near Kansas City, and Kansas City uh, had Worlds of Fun, and Worlds of Fun had the Scream Roller, which was the roller coaster. Now, this roller coaster was relevant because in 1975, Knott's Berry Farm had the very first roller coaster that took you upside down, and it was called the Corkscrew. 1975. The next year, there were five of them in the country that now did took you upside down, and the Scream Roller was one of those in Kansas City as we go. Now, listen, when you go to get ready to go on the Scream Roller, the lines were long because everybody's like, I cannot believe I'm going upside down. It was amazing back then. And uh, as you wait through the line, you get all the way to the top, and before you walk through the turnstiles to get onto the cart, if you look to the right, there was this little sign that said this, Chicken Exit. And you would not believe the number of people who waited in line for an hour, got to the top, and heard the screams of terror as we put our lives into our hands going upside down. It seemed so amazing at the time. And would head out the screen, out to the chicken exit as they go. Because it really was, it was the last moment that you could bail before you walk through the turnstile. You sit down in that little cart. And when you sit down in that, what happens? All of a sudden, you hear the what? Click. They lock you in, and back then it was the harness. And I don't know you, I'm slightly petrified, so now I'm checking the harness over and over. It's just moving, it's gonna be okay. So the harness is locked down, they release the brake, and then you hear it. Click, click, click. And at this moment, listen, you are 100% committed. There's no getting off, there's no chicken exit. Once the harness is down and you're going, you are riding the ride till the very end. And this is what we're going to see happens. When Jesus calls Peter into the inner circle, he says, Peter, listen, I need you to lock it in. I need you to be committed to this whole thing for the whole ride. And he asked for this commitment. Matthew chapter 4, let's look what Jesus says. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they, here's the key, they left their nets at once, and they followed him. No hesitation on Peter. He's locking this thing in. He is committed. The bar is down. And this commitment that he's about to make, it's not an easy one. I mean, this comes at a cost. Think about this. It comes at the cost of security, of the security of he knew what his circumstances were going to be. He knew what his life was going to be a fisherman. It was easy. It came at the cost of uh, comfort. He was about to give up the security and the comfort of his job of being a fisherman to follow. And this is what's amazing. He's going to follow a purpose that was found in the person of Jesus, even though he has no idea what that means. And he leaves it all, and he comes. This fall, I, I'm asking you today, and we've been asking these last couple of weeks, to consider doing this thing of joining a group here at Lex City Church, to, to make a commitment, to lock in for the ride, 
to not simply think about it or to talk about it or maybe just, hey, I'm just going to put my toes in for a week and if I don't like it, I'm going to bail. No, we're asking you, listen, would you be willing to lock in and commit for the ride that's before us? And that's what Peter says to Jesus. He says, Jesus, I'm in. I have no idea what you're asking from me and what that's all going to mean. I'm leaving my boat. It won't be the last time that Peter leaves the boat when Jesus asks. I'm leaving my vocation, and I'm committed to the ride. Here we go. So you're committed, and you take off. And once you leave the station on a roller coaster, what's the very first thing you hit? The big hill, right? You remember this kind of deal? Now, listen, I'll just confess a friend. I I am not a fan of roller coasters. Uh, I don't like heights. Uh, All the turns makes me nauseous. Uh, When I'm done, I just have a headache. Uh, I would rather just wait at the bottom and eat funnel cake and wait till you're done with the ride. Anybody with me on there? Any fellow funnel cakers there? I love you, my people. So that's my idea of a good time. Tam, you go. I'm just going to eat funnel cake and it'll be good. But when I do go and when I do finally actually get on a roller coaster ride there in the big hill, and you're locked in, you're like, okay, I can do this. And then you hear it click. Click, 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 and, and up and up you go. Now, as I'm going up, I'm attempting to look brave. I want to be strong, but my wife knows that I'm a coward at heart, and she's seeing right through the facade of my braveness, and, you know, she says little things to encourage, just relax, babe. You're going to be fine. It's going to be over before you know it. Hey, when we get to the top, just take time, enjoy the scenery, see if you can find our car, you know. I'm telling you what, I am not looking side to side. I'm looking straight ahead. Because when I look to side to side, my mind begins to wander. If I get stuck on this hill and I have to exit this car, you're telling me I got to walk over on that little rail down those 200 feet? Not a chance. My mind begins to wander. Like if I'm going upside down and I get stuck upside down, are they ever going to come get me? If I have to use a restroom, that, that, I just, things, things could go really bad. So I'm not enjoying the process. But Tammy usually tries to say some things to encourage me to relax and so she says again, uh, great encouragement. Listen, honey, if you don't throw up, I'll buy you a funnel cake. And I'm like, all right, I can do it. So that's kind of the way the encouragement's there. But it really leads me to the second kind of thing that we find in inner, cir- inner circle friendships is they encourage you to reach new heights. In this moment of uncertainty, they're like, you can do it. I believe in you. Hang in. And this is what Jesus spoke. And this is what he says to the heart of Peter in, in these moments. Slide over to John chapter 1. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Names are so important. Simon actually means the wavering one, and Peter, as we know, means the rock. So Jesus says, listen, Peter, I know in this moment in time in your life, you're, you're wavering right now, but I see, I see a rock within you. And I love this about Jesus. I see you for not simply of who you are today, but who you can become. I don't see you as the wavering. I see you as one that will be the rock that we have. And in my ministry, you know, I'm here today because in my formative years, somebody saw in me something that I didn't see in myself. Somebody said the simple thing, you know, whom much is given, a youth leader early on said, to whom much is given, much is expected. Brian, I see you are wavering, but you could be the rock, be the rock. If I could do the look, I'd do the rock look for you at this point, but I can't. But this is the idea, they saw something in me, they encouraged something in me that I didn't see in myself. Listen, many of you can relate to that. There was a moment in life, whether it be business or for a college students, why you chose to be, come to college here, what you're looking for in your life in the next years, or maybe it was just encouragement as being a mom, like I didn't know if I could do this, and somebody spoke that timely word into your life 
that affirmed you, that built into you and remind you of your purpose. Some of you are blessed that that person is in your life at a very close, if it's your spouse, who at these moments of challenge sees something in you and believes in you. Listen, if you've got a spouse who speaks those kind of words into you, what a gift that is. There have been times in my ministry life where I've been discouraged, wondering if I could do it, uh, wondering if my calling was real, and in those times it's been gracious and kind to have Tammy in my life who has at times spoke hope and encouragement and remind me of calling, my calling. There have been other days where she just reminds me a little swift, you know, listen, just put on your big boy pants. You know, you knew this was gonna be hard. Just get it done, you know, just encouragement that sometimes you gotta step out in those kind of confidence. Those are the kind of people in our lives. And so here's the question, in your life, who is in your life that would speak that kind of truth? For college students, in these next four years, five years, six years, depending on how it goes, in these next little season of life, who's in your life, and you're at this moment now where you're stepping out on your own, right? Your faith is your own, your life is your own, you're making determinations. Who's in your life that's gonna call something when they find you getting a little wayward and just stretching in places where you shouldn't be? Who is in your life that sees, if you're married, who sees all of a sudden some patterns that are beginning to form in your, in your relationships that aren't healthy, who loves you enough, who's gonna call it out in you? Or the person in your life who sees that habit about what you're starting to do after work that's just creating habits that aren't healthy to where you need to be, who in your life is just gonna call you on your stuff? I mean, that's the power of having an inner circle friend that's there. And Jesus models us again for us in his life with Peter, the idea of calling that. Who is in your life that would do that? Let me turn that around, though. Who is in the, your life that you are willing to call out those things? When's the last time in a relationship you have encouraged somebody, challenged somebody, remind them that their calling is greater than how they're responding there? When's the last time you've been confrontational in a relationship where you cared enough about the person that you're willing to make some uncomfortable moments in those relationships? When's the last time you have been that person? In your friendships, here's just a question. Are you simply a receiver or are you a giver? Is it a two-way relationship that goes? That's number two. It's that, that point of heading up the hill and the uncertainty that comes. Phase three in relationships and in roller coasters, this inner circle friends ride the ups and downs with you. The ups and downs of a relationship. The ups and downs in, in a roller coaster, are, it, it's the exciting part, right? It's the terrifying part. It's the part for me, I can't wait to have it be over, the unexpected turns, the twists, and all of this. But it's those moments that make it a roller coaster and not simply a log ride, right? I'm with you, I love log rides. It's kind of my deal. I can eat ice cream. I just got a one hill at the end and then it's all done. It's like, woo, it's a great little deal. All right, that's kind of my pace, but that's a log ride. That's not a roller coaster. What makes a roller coaster a roller coaster is it's up and it's down and it's terrifying and it's exciting and it's challenging. Listen, that's what an inner circle friendship is all about. It's ups and it's downs and it's unexpected things. These kind of relationships are messy these kind of relationships are hard. They're not always comfortable. But that's what makes it a relationship. Pastor Zach shared last week, remember the illustration of our relationships, our friendships. We don't need to always see eye to eye, but the reality is we've got to see back to back. We've got to keep each other's back. Because we know in the context of any close relationship, there's going to be times that we won't see eye to eye. There's going to be times we have difference of opinions and difference of thoughts on those things. And it's those times that that's when you really see the depth of our friendship. It, it's a time like that that's so counter to our cultural today, culture today, right? 
Today, we live in a culture that somebody says this, if you don't agree with me, you're against me. In fact, not only do you need to agree with me, you need to agree with me to the level of intensity that I feel about whatever topic. And if your intensity doesn't match my intensity, then you are against me. And we have lost the simple but profound perspective in the ability to disagree with one another and yet respect one another. We have forgotten that my opinion doesn't mean that your opinion is any less. It's simply my opinion, and you have your opinion, and in respect and understanding, we're going to get together and understand these things. We have exchanged outrage, right, for just civil disagreement. And here's what's come at a cost of all that, is we no longer are learning from one another. We're no longer listening. We're no longer growing. It's just either you're my thought. If you're not my thought, it's, you're out. You're out. And we've lost the ability to grow our perspectives, to grow our worldview, to have a greater sense of empathy and understanding of what's going on in the lives of other people because we've lost the ability to listen and to engage and respect each other even at times when we, don't disagree, when we disagree. Newsflash, all right? There's going to be different perspectives with wonderful God-fearing people than you and I have. And in our friendships, that's so healthy. These are the kind of people that should stay in our inner circle, but in our current culture and times, if we're not careful, we just eject everybody who doesn't fit within my framework of thought, and we're losing out on the depth of relationships that's hurting us in such a way. So we have this part that creates the ups and downs in relationship, right? We have different opinions and different perspectives on key issues. Then we have the other part that comes in any relationship. It's tension that comes when we actually disappoint and we actually hurt one another, all right? Not intentionally, but all relationships are gonna, are gonna be littered with unmet expectations. I thought you would be here for me at this point. You should have known how I was feeling during this time. I was going through a difficult time and you just seemed to be happy and going on with your life and you left me. We have these unmet expectations that we have for one another. And it shouldn't surprise us, right? It shouldn't surprise you when you're on a roller coaster and you're click, 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 click up, up this hill. Eventually you're coming down. Right? I mean, this is going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Should, same should be true in our relationships. You should know in your close relationship, there's going to be ups and downs. We have two broken, fallen, sinful people in close proximity with one another doing life together, and you're one of them. We're going to struggle at different times. We're not going to meet each other's expectations. It's going to be messy. There's going to be a little drama. You're going to add to it, and that's the life. Think about Jesus, the Son of God, in relationship with a fallen person, in relationship with a fallen man, Peter. Look at Matthew chapter 26. Here's one of these incidents. Matthew 26, when Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, he said, sit here a while, I go over there to pray. So he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. This is his inner circle. And he became anguished and distressed, and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus is being open, right, and very vulnerable. He says this, my soul is crushed with grief. Men, I need you to be with me in, in this moment. I'm facing something here. I need you to stay watch. I need you to join me in the struggle. I need you to be my friends in time of need, and I'm expressing to you this is one of my greatest times of need. I, I need you new and afresh. What happens? Verse 39, and he went on a little farther, and he bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let the cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Verse 40, then he returned to his inner circle, the disciples, and he found them asleep. 
And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same thing again. Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep, right? Just, just sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Three times, think about this, three times in the same night, Jesus is let down by those who should have been there for them. What would you do if your inner circle disappointed you three times in, in the same night? What do you do in those moments? Do you, just, do you just ignore it? Just, you know, stuff it deep down, deny it. It didn't really happen. They, they wanted to be there. They just weren't there. Would you find yourself pulling away? Obviously, you don't care for me in the way that I thought you cared for me because of the moment I needed you. You let me down once, twice, three times. Uh, you obviously don't care for me in the way I thought you cared for me, and so I'm, I'm backing out. I mean, do you find yourself doing that? Do you just become angry, lashing out, removing them from, the, from your life? Or... Because they're an inner circle person who you're choosing to do life with, do you, in a sense of humility and honestly, take time to confront the hurt? Do you lean into that relationship at moments when it would be easier to lean away? So that's what Jesus did, and we'll see just in a moment. I was disappointed, but I'm not rejecting you. I'm leaning back into that because that's the key. How many, how many of you have had a relationship, an inner circle relationship, for over 10 years? Anybody got friendships over 10 years that have been near and dear? Listen. Everyone has raised your hand. I will guarantee you, right, you can give testimony to this. At some point in that relationship, they hurt you and disappointed you. And at some point in that relationship, it would have been easier to run away, but you made a choice to lean into that relationship. At some point, you had to have the honest, uncomfortable conversation to say, maybe in this moment, this was hurtful to me, this was a little bit disappointing to me, but because you are willing to be uncomfortable for that moment, it has strengthened the depth of the relationship that you walk in today. It's a real gift. I want to encourage you, that's it. Sometime in that 10 years, you have probably had to say these words, I'm sorry, right? Sorry, I let you down there. Sorry, I didn't show up in the way that I should have. Would you forgive me on those things? Never let your pride, this is the key for all of us, never let your pride derail a God-given relationship in your life. Be willing to say, I'm sorry. Be willing to care enough to acknowledge, I was hurt and disappointed. Not in you, but how this made me feel along those things. That leads us to the final stage of any good roller coaster and any good relationship, right? It's the final stretch. You've done the hill, you're down, you've done the ups and downs, and all you go, and now you're on that final stretch. You're pulling into the station, and you have made it. You've survived the ups and downs, the unexpected spins and the turns. You didn't throw up. It's time for funnel cake. This is the glorious moment. So here's number four. Inner circle friends forgive, reconcile, and celebrate each other. They forgive, they reconcile, and they celebrate each other. Think about this. At the end of the scream over, at the end of any great coaster, what do you do in those first four moments? It's awesome. You high-five your ride mate like, that was awesome. We made it. Right? You forgive them for squeezing your arm so bad that you're bleeding. You forgive them for screaming in your ear. You ask that God will forgive them for what they said on the drop. You know, all of these kind of things. When you're done, you go to the store. 
You buy the picture of you coming down the hill. Woo, hands up, we're so great. You know, it's this wonderful deal. You buy the T-shirt. You celebrate this memory that you've had forever. It's the restoration and the celebration that comes. Look at the life, again, of Jesus and Peter. In Matthew chapter 14, and it's this situation when the storm is there and Peter's in the boat and Jesus is coming across the water. Then Peter called to him and says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus says, yes, come. So Peter went out over the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus says. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boats, the wind stopped. And I love this. Here's the honesty of Jesus in relationship with Peter. I'm not denying, Peter, why, why did you deny me? Why at the moment of greatest thing did you, did you think that I wouldn't be there for you? He acknowledges Peter's lack of faith, but again, rather than condemn him or reject him, what's Jesus do? He reaches out, he restores him, and he pulls him up. And over and over in the relationship between Jesus and Peter, we see this again, that Jesus never gave up on the relationship. Even though there was discouragement, even though there was disappointment and unmet expectations, Jesus never gave up on that relationship. And we end the account with Peter and Jesus, with Peter celebrating who Jesus was and celebrating the relationship that they had. Look at the last part, Matthew 14, verse 33. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. At the end of the day, it was the high five. It's the, it's the picture of coming down the hill with our hands up together. You, Jesus, I get it. You really are the son of God. And they celebrated that together. An inner circle friendship. Friends that encourage us, that don't give up on us, they forgive and they celebrate. Pastor, that sounds amazing, but I don't have any of those kind of friends in my life and I don't even know where to begin and how I could even find them. They seem like a mythical character that's never been seen before. Well, can I tell you maybe a great place that you can start that process? The best place to find godly inner circle friends is in godly community. You're at the right place. It's the beauty of the body of Christ in the church. These are the people around you that are some of the best places to start and to look for those kind of relationships to get connected. But you may say, ha ah, that sounds good, but it seems a little scary. It seems vulnerable. Been hurt before on this. I'm not sure this is what I want to do. Now listen, I want to pray today. I want to encourage you. pray that God would give you the courage to step out maybe one more time. I want to encourage you that God would give you the courage to kind of be vulnerable and say, I'm willing to give this a shot again and go after and experience life and to do this ride again. Because it's like roller coasters. You see, the reason people don't ride roller coasters is because the last time they rode, they had a bad experience or they just heard the screams of everybody else riding and decided it was too scary and didn't want to get on in the first place, right? So today, the encouragement is just to have the courage to say, I want you to consider taking that ride one more time. Because a healthy, purposeful church is made up of healthy, purposeful people. If we as Lex City are going to accomplish the purpose that God has called us to do, then the key is that you accomplish the purpose that God has called you to do. And as we are individuals accomplishing what God wants us to do individually, we'll get to experience what God wants us to do corporately together. So as we begin and think about the ride, just want to remind you again, it's like a roller coaster. Don't, don't be surprised when there are challenges. 
Don't be surprised when there's ups and downs. That's all part of the ride. But be committed to one another. Lock in and say, I'm committed based on my faith and not simply my feelings. I'm committed to you and I'm committed to do this ride together. So I would encourage you today to just lock on that harness. Hear the brakes release. And get ready for the click, 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 click. Because we are about to take an amazing ride together. And I want to invite you to come and be a part of that. Let's pray together. Father, today we just thank you. I thank you for your example through Jesus, what it means to be an inner circle friend, a friend that encourages, a friend that sees more in us than we see ourselves, a friend that is willing to lean in even when they are disappointed, a friend that's worth celebrating and rejoicing through the winds of life together. And so, Lord, today, for those of us that have experienced that and we have that in our life, may we nurture, may we respond by being that kind of a person in the life of somebody. Or maybe today, for some of us, we don't have that. And maybe today is the start of that ride. And may we not take the chicken exit, but maybe today we walk through the turnstile to say, I'm, I'm ready to try one more time. So, Lord, whatever your spirit has to say to us, uh, speak to us even today in these moments. In your name, amen.